Welcome to the Let's Talk Project Management podcast, connecting people, wisdom and resources to help elevate the project management industry and the people within it. Our focus is on learning from people rather than textbooks and bringing stories to life in an industry that has traditionally been about data and frameworks. Listen in as we share leading edge information and connect you with some of the best minds in the project management industry and share the secrets behind their success. And now join your host, Melanie Colling. Last week on the Let's Talk Project Management podcast, I spoke with Peter Taylor, aka the Lazy Project Manager, about the rise of the professional project manager, evolution of the PMO, and the recognition of project managers within organizations, plus the impact of AI on the industry. If you were listening, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you missed it or haven't had a chance to listen, don't worry. You can find this episode and many more at letstalkproject.management and sign up and subscribe to this podcast. And please go ahead and share this link with others you think could benefit from being part of this conversation. Okay, welcome to Let's Talk Project Management Podcast. Thanks for joining us. And we have got the awesome Elizabeth Harron all the way from the UK today. Elizabeth is an author, a trainer, a speaker. Um, and she's also an educator and mentor of project managers and writes um, a girl's guide to project management, which we're going to delve into. So welcome to the program, Elizabeth. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. It's so excited. I'm, I'm very excited to talk to you about all <laughs> things project management. Um, and I know that you've been busy in that space um, and we'll have lots to talk about. So We'll kick off with the first question, which is what have you seen as the biggest changes looking back in project management over your time? What do you see the biggest changes in the industry? Oh, we're quite a slow industry to change, <laughs> I'd say. Um, I've been managing projects over, well, about 20 years now because I was lucky enough to start quite early. So I think the biggest changes I've seen is a mindset change towards projects delivering value and being strategic drivers instead of just being an exercise where you tick boxes and mark tasks as complete on a Gantt chart. Because when I did my first project management course, it was very much process-led. You know, do this, you're the, you're the tick box person, you help other people complete the work, and don't ask too many questions. Whereas now, in fact, that attitude was always wrong, but now there is more <laughs> appreciation of the fact that asking intelligent questions is definitely sensible and we should be asking why are we doing this project how does it link to strategy what's the value how can I add more value are we doing the right things are we doing the right things in the right order at the right time all that stuff and it's elevating the role of project manager from you know some of the admin stuff that we do have to do but is not the most exciting part of the role through to being somebody who is actually driving strategy forward within an organization at whatever level you are you can still do that even if you're a junior project manager I love that that's a great um yeah that's a great way to describe it because you're right like project management has changed from ticker box exercise to actually being quite involved in the business aren't you and and being um kind of connected to some of the key stakeholders and and trying to help guide them to you know mm. what they want to get done in business and and you're kind of holding their hand to to get that done Yes, and I think that's important as well because the other big change I've seen is kind of the proliferation of the world of projects. And so much knowledge work now is delivered under the umbrella of a project and people 
like the stakeholders have bit, literally no clue how to manage projects and I've worked with people I mentor people and they say oh my boss says we need to be agile and I've said okay what does what does he mean by that oh he doesn't know he just heard it on a podcast <laughs> that's you know we have to be the guardians of the process as well and support people in understanding how do you get your work done what does delivering a project actually mean and how can they help us do the work so it's, it's become a lot more partnership driven Absolutely. That is so funny what you say about Agile and I've spoken to a couple of other people and it's so true, isn't it? It's like, it's just the buzzword at the moment, you know, we've got to go Agile, but you know, they have no idea what it is um, or how to do it. And um, I think I was talking to Joanna Rossman and she's like, you know, and if it doesn't fit in with your organization, like you're going to try and change your whole organization to work Agile, like that's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. I mean, it's not, I've got no, no beef with Agile. I think it's great, but you know, time and a place and small steps and you you should think through these big kind of decisions instead of saying, yeah, let's all be agile and then hire a scrum master and suddenly, you know, then they're in a difficult position because they can't do their best work because the organisation is not ready or doesn't understand it. So I think a lot of our our work as project managers is actually falls outside of doing the work of managing the project and is more sort of collaborating with people, helping people understand about even things like I've run productivity and time management training courses for other departments because they see that me and my team work productively and with good team management time management and they want some of that so you know we've got loads of stuff as project managers to share with the organization hopefully they're listening that's so uh, yeah interesting that you say that because it's really hard to describe the role of a project manager isn't it like you know if someone asks you what do you do and you just say project manager people will go, oh, okay, but they won't actually understand what that role is. So how would you describe being a project manager to, if someone asked you? I think that is such a hard question to answer. <laughs> you would have thought after 20 years of trying to explain to my family what I do all day. I think it's about getting work done through other people, coordinating and leading the effort and making sure we're doing the right things at the right time and the way I tend to normally explain it is by saying um, it's quite a a role where if you have a project manager and everything goes well people will say at the end why did we need you it all went really well and if you get to the end of the project and you didn't have a project manager they go wow that was a real mess if only we'd had a project manager so kind of the absence of a project manager is what justifies the need (laughs) to have one (laughs) which is wrong really I'm sorry I should have a better answer for that but it's it's a different role in every organization I mean I've worked in in organizations and even within the same organization within different teams for different managers where what I'm expected to do as a project manager is slightly different because that's what the organization needs you to morph into to get the work done that's so true because I see it as a um, you know and it's spoken about as a framework where you need to pull in different elements of it depending on the project or the team or the environment, the organisation, isn't it? And you're pulling on all of these, um, this knowledge and things that you've learnt along the way is to how to progress it for that particular project and you're kind of tailoring it each time you run a project, exactly. don't you? Exactly. You always pick and choose the best parts of all the different tools available to you. And that's why I'm not very keen on on um, bureaucratic and you know heavily documented approaches to project management that's why I don't teach (laughs) teach (laughs) (laughs) because 
there is no one size fits all approach. You look at the stakeholders and you look at the level of maturity and project management knowledge in the organization and the people you're working with and you, you change out what you do to be effective because you know what the end goal is and you just apply whatever tools and techniques you need. And, you know, over the years I've done projects where I feel like I've followed the proper Prince 2 guidelines and done everything as per my certification says. Yeah. And, and then others more later in my career, I suppose I've got better at breaking the rules and knowing you know what the organization needs of me is is not to do project management but to lead a program of business change with loads of uncertainty loads of complexity and a lot of you know making it up as we go along which feels very uncomfortable to someone who's spent you know however many years following a gantt chart and <laughs> preparing schedules understanding requirements we say oh we don't know what we're doing or we can only see ahead the next three weeks oh well regulations might change but you have to just step up and live with it because the work still needs to be done. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. So what do you see the biggest challenges moving forward in the project management industry? I think, well, I think we've had the challenge of virtual working for some time. I think that's going to get worse. And having the collaboration tools that actually work for us, because I've, I try a lot, I write software reviews of project management tools and um they all fit a very niche set of requirements. So there's hundreds and hundreds of them. And I think mm. finding the one that's right for you is really hard. And I know in our PMO, we went through three tools um, just in relatively short space of time because we grew. So we needed something bigger and then it wasn't quite what we wanted. And then we couldn't manage it effectively because somebody left and they were the person who understood it all. So we decided to simplify. And the challenge of getting the technology to match the business challenge that's quite difficult and I think that will stick with us and organizations just need to be smarter about how they choose software I don't think that there's anything right or wrong about any of the tools it's just making sure that it's a fit for requirements and I have a feeling that didn't really answer the question <laughs> no I liked I liked your answer to that because it's a you know I wrote down the technology to manage the different business requirements because in the previous you know chat we were just talking about how every project's different so mm. that's such a challenge to say okay, well, we're going to use this piece of software and then the project's completely different for the next project that you run and, like, you know, does the software still match those requirements? It's really, really hard. It is, but I think flexibility is probably the key skill for people going forward because while we've been evolving and learning best practices and it, you get the experiential knowledge through doing project management and we need to be better at passing that information on to the sort of the next generation and the junior people that we're mentoring mm. um, because that's the hard stuff to learn and our environment's getting more complex more political more uncertain and we need more tools not just software but just approaches because the stakeholders we deal with are uh, they have shorter attention spans they have competing demands on their time we're all trying to manage a hundred different things we're trying to balance having an actual life with our yeah. work we don't know what the technology is. The technology is evolving really quickly. You know, we've got questions like, what does this mean for AI? How are we going to incorporate big data? What does this mean for data compliance and data protection? And just so much demand being put on project management teams. So we need options for helping us deliver. And I think it's, it really comes down to project management being more around professional judgment and smarter decision making and less around textbook answers. And as an educator, that's quite difficult. <laughs> so I'm yeah. trying to teach people how to do things, saying, ah, you just have to make it up as you go along and apply a professional judgment, which you won't get till you've had 20 years of experience. So it's, you know, you don't need 20 years 
to feel like you can apply some professional judgment but it's about business acumen understanding the context of your organization and what's important to the decision makers um i like that you said around the education because you know we, we've all um would done the certification so i have too and you know many of the, the people listening would have you know done prints too or um, PMI certification of, yep. yeah um, and you know we, d- we do that and we think you know this is lovely an ideal project but I've never managed an ideal project I'm sure <laughs> you have no. it and you know you I cannot use no <laughs> um, you know that's nice to have a project like that but that's not reality so yeah how do you teach people to you know um, be flexible which is what you were saying is one of the key skills moving forward it's really really hard to teach people that isn't it and I you know, I know from my own experience, it's only from going through many projects that you pick up different things and learn. And I know I spoke to someone else saying about, you know, one of the key things is to get a mentor that you can, mm. you know, talk to and, and run things. So how do you teach people when you're educating people about how to bring in that flexibility and, and kind of learn as they go almost? I think it's what I try to do is teach people to be brave. <laughs> because I like that. We have the ability to make good decisions. A lot of it is common sense and understanding your business environment with a few tools around, you know, you need to know the basics of setting goals, working out project scope, planning the work, doing the work, closing down the project and reviewing continuous improvement. There are some common themes and steps that you can teach, which I do. And then the rest of it is about having the confidence to actually do your job and to challenge people who who say, Oh, can we have all of that? But can we have it by Friday? And too many people, I think, go, oh, yes, sir. How high would you like me to jump, sir? Instead of saying, you must be joking. Well, yes, or, or of course you can have all of that by Friday if you give me a million pounds and 20 extra staff. Yes. You know, there's always things that you can do, but it's about thinking of the role of the project manager as actually a partner with the project sponsor instead of some subservient role. That's a really key distinction, isn't it? I think in, in project management where um, a lot of people don't set themselves up for success early on. Um, and I know I have been guilty of that in very early early projects. Um, but later on in my career, I was very um, conscious um, of setting myself in a position where, yeah, like you say, you're a partner rather than a subservient member of staff to them. I mean, I'm sure project managers, I mean, I never went into work thinking, oh, I'm subservient, I must cow down. But um, I think there is this idea that directors or people who are project sponsors are amazing and they know everything. And actually, in my experience, they're fallible just like the rest of us and they change their minds just like the rest of us. And our job is to sort of guide them and help them and and do that respectful challenge. That's what the respectful challenge is what we call it. Um, But (laughs) it's being able to call people out on their you know, flip-flops when they change their mind um, or provide extra recommendations. And, you know, they're hierarchically more important than you and they still might um, reverse a decision or tell you you have to do something in a particular way. But at least you feel that you've been true to yourself and that you have made the effort to flag issues with them and you've made the effort to present different recommendations and options for them to choose from that that give a rounded view of what the project, of, of what would give you more project success. Yep. And that's really the role, isn't it, just to guide them to the right decision, um, knowing all of the detail and the risks associated with whichever decision they make um, so that they're making an, an informed decision. 
Yes, and I think the thing that made it easy for me to have those more challenging conversations and be braver with the kind of things I was doing was understanding that I was actually adding value and that I was a useful person to have in the business. Mm-hmm. Not that I was indispensable because everybody can be replaced, um, but that I understood what value I was giving and I think that other people saw that too. Mm. And also thinking about what else would my career look like if I left. So, you know, on, to be totally honest, I felt a lot braver and about saying things at work when I had an exit strategy, which I hadn't implemented. But in the back of my mind, I thought my LinkedIn profile is up to date. I have the certifications. I'm up to date with my professional training. If I have to leave because this job is too awkward or horrible or they don't listen to me or, you know, I'm crying off to work every night, all the bad things that people <laughs> tell me in the situations that they can get into. And I've been there too then I don't feel so bad about starting to look for another job. So as long as it's kind of, I felt when I had a safety blanket and I had some savings, you know, I felt that I could walk away if I really wanted to. And I loved my job. Mm. Um, I I love what I did. I worked with amazing people. We did some fantastic projects. The sense of teamwork was amazing. We did social events. It was, you know, a, a lovely team. And there was no reason for me to think about leaving, but I think that's the right time to start mm. preparing for what's your next career move. And once you've got that, then you can go in and have the awkward conversations because you're not thinking, oh my God, I have to say yes to everything because what happens if they fire me because I don't have any savings and I need this job and I'm so desperate for work, I'll just do anything that you say. And I know that not everybody's in that situation. You know, the, some people don't have the luxury of being in that position, but any tiny steps that you can take to be more secure in your career journey I think gives you more confidence to act more bravely at work does that make sense absolutely I love that that's great awesome advice love it <laughs> very <laughs> long-winded but I, I got like there it. in the end good so let's talk about the future of project management so where do you see project management in you know two five ten years time gosh um I'd like to think Because of advances in technology and things like AI and robotic processing and stuff like that, that some of the more routine stuff we do as project managers and the admin jobs can be automated, Mm -hmm. um, which gives us more time to do the value-added things like working with stakeholders and being more strategic. So I'd like to see project managers represented on the board through a chief project officer or a chief strategy delivery officer that's not a really good mm. title but something like that where we're elevating business change to something that is relevant and board worthy in its own right instead of saying projects fall under IT or projects fall into the finance team I mean the, the people people tell me that they work in all kinds of different departments where it's either separately or not collated but certainly not always within a hierarchical organization structure that leads you know logically into the board and when you work for the finance director you know within reason he he or she has other priorities beyond making sure your projects are running smoothly because that's a big job let alone having to take on the the strategic business change planning role Mm. and lead a pmo as well so and same with it they're perhaps perhaps making sure that strategic delivery has a greater degree of oversight. And while the board as a whole of the CEO will set direction and 
put that strategy together, somebody needs to be sitting there taking responsibility for making sure it's being executed. Mm. So I'd like to see that. Um, I'm hoping that there's more, there's just more fun in the job. <laughs> oh, yes, I'm all for that. I love that. <laughs> um, and the reason I say that is because I would say 99% of project managers I talk to are overworked and stressed and that's going to lead to burnout so we've got highly talented effective great strategic thinkers working in project management today who might not be here in five years because their companies will have loaded them with 30 different projects that they can't possibly deliver and no framework and resources to help them and they will quit mm -hmm. and they will go and be operational managers in other organizations or they'll take a leadership role somewhere else and they'll be fantastic in those roles but they mm -hmm. won't be doing projects anymore and then so I think we really need to be as as leaders in organizations looking out for these people who are caught helping us deliver change instead of burning them out and a bit more fun would help with that I love that you've always got to have fun that's what I say <laughs> <laughs> um, and I really like that um, when you spoke about you know having a chief projects officer on the board or, or something to that to, to deliver strategic outcomes and innovations because companies are always talking about that and you're so right when it falls under a different area they've got different priorities different measurements and they're mm -hmm. not always in line with what the projects are trying to deliver um, exactly. and there's also not um, full understanding of what the projects are trying to achieve and how they're trying to achieve it and so sometimes you're like kind of banging your head against the wall aren't you to try and get things done um, because it's yes. not, you, you know, it's not their sole focus almost. So I really like that idea that, you know, you have this kind of reporting arm right up to the board um, that focuses on projects. I think that's awesome. Well, let's hope more organisations try, try <laughs> to make that happen. But this, the resource challenge is, is a big thing, yeah. I think, because we've, that you know, no criticism at board level trying to spearhead projects and lead PMO organization but you know they have got split priorities because resources are pushed at all levels in organizations across all different things and unless you do timesheets and resource planning and capacity planning with software and it's very you know time consuming to fill all that stuff in and people don't like doing it and it's not always accurate data I don't know of any other way to do effective resource and capacity planning at an organizational level or for at least the, the team of people delivering projects. And when you've got subject matter experts spread across different offices supporting different projects in a matrix organization, mm. it's really hard to see as an organization, how much more can we do? Mm. Who are we burning out? How can we plan this? When is that expert available to support this new project? And so the challenge of resource management is is tied up with how much we can do and how we can think strategically about work and change because we don't I don't think many organizations have a good way of doing that and if you're in a small organization with 10 people then you probably just chat to everybody over the lunch break and work it out but when you're a global organization of 500 people how do you plan those things you have to yeah yeah it, it's, it's a lot of guessing and work and often by the time that information gets to people who approve projects they don't have visibility about if they're approving projects not even knowing if someone's going to be available to do it yeah. just assuming that it'll get done and that's where you get the stress and burnout lower down or people struggling to get resources onto their projects yeah that's always the number one challenge isn't it is resource 
management mm-hmm. in, in projects because you are always using shared resources um, and it does always fall onto a couple of SMEs, like key SMEs, isn't it, that are always needed for every single project and everyone's yes. trying to take a piece of them <laughs> and you're like, no, me first. <laughs> and they probably have day jobs to do as well. <laughs> exactly, exactly, plus projects. Um, and, you know, I don't think of you never run a project that you've got a dedicated team so, you know, this constant battle about, you know, finding the right resources, keeping the resources, um, you know, to be able to meet um, the expectations is always challenging. Well, I have done that twice and both times have been absolutely brilliant. <laughs> it was <laughs> like Nirvana. Had, I know. We've had ultimate control over what we do, who goes where. It's yep. a dream. And both projects had a very clear, specific goal and every day we came into work thinking how do we do this how do we get closer to that and when you've got a whole team pulling together in one direction and every decision is framed with does it get us closer to this yes it does great let's do it no it doesn't okay let's not you know it's it makes everything so much easier and you're not fighting for resources it's yeah those were happy days yeah (laughs) we could just get on and deliver the project which is actually what you're trying to do isn't it the end goal (laughs) Yes. I <laughs> love that. So what has been one of your biggest lessons you've learned on your project management journey? Ooh, so many mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> I think probably the importance of people. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, going back again to my first project management course where nothing really was talked about in terms of people beyond the let's create a stakeholder matrix and mark people off with impact and influence and how important they are to the project and tick them and put them into categories but actually that's that's nothing that's just filling in a piece of paper and filling in a template to do stakeholder analysis it really helps to have good working relationships with people and I've um, I've forgotten stakeholders on projects in the past and that's come back to bite me and then um, we've had other projects where as a team we've built up fantastic relationships with people and then had to share quite bad news about project progress and disruption for them and their departments and they've gone yeah all right we can live with that because we understand that you're doing the right things and you're trying and because we trust you so you can share quite a lot you can ask quite a lot of people if you've got a good working relationship and you've been transparent and honest and you deliver on your commitments and you've got that trust so I think that's probably been my biggest lesson is if you can get people on side, you can do anything. Yeah, love that. So true. Um, so what advice would you have for people starting out in the project management profession? Well, I think it's an amazing job. So well done for choosing so cleverly. Um, I would say get a mentor because so much is in people's heads and we're so bad at passing on organisational knowledge look at what organizational knowledge you can get from the organization itself through lessons learned knowledge sharing communities whatever is in your organization that you can tap into um and then i would say put the end goal and relationships with people above pretty much all else because nobody cares at the end of the project if you've got a pretty risk log they'll just care did i get what your what you said you would deliver for me and okay you need to do that in an ethically and professional way but I think that there's parts of project management where it's worth investing the time and effort in and that is delivering the output in the best possible way to meet customer expectations and building those working relationships with people to make it happen 
Love that. I think one of the true reflections of a um, successful project manager is would any of the team work with them again? Yes. <laughs> I, know, um, I don't think I want to ask my team that directly, <laughs> but I'd like to think they say yes. Yeah, maybe not straight after the project, but maybe, mm. you know, after they've <laughs> caught their breath. Um, but it's so true because if you don't um, nurture those relationships and you're continuing to deliver projects within that organisation or, you know, that industry or space, um, you know, you will have to call upon those people or touch base with them um, throughout your next project or, or your career in some exactly. shape or form. So, you know, if you've not done the right thing by them or, um, you know, supported them to deliver um, and made it a pleasant experience, um, you know, it's going to be very hard for you to ask them to do something for you in the future. Exactly. And it's so easy to do. And things like making opportunities for them to learn something new they could come and work shadow you at a meeting where you're meeting people that they're interested in talking to or even just saying thank you on one project we had the project sponsor well it was me actually I wrote letters to every person who'd helped and thanking them for their contribution and the project sponsor signed them all and the letter came from the project sponsor and people were honestly overwhelmed at getting an actual piece of paper with the physical signature on and people were saying I've put it in my personnel file and I'm going to use it at my annual report and there was me thinking it took about 10 minutes most of 80% of the text on every letter was the same I hope they're not listening to this podcast <laughs> and then all I did was just change the sentence at the top that said exactly what their personal contribution had been but people were overwhelmed that someone had taken the effort and time to say thank you because they didn't hear that enough Mm. And you don't have to even write a letter for that. <laughs> you know, send them, send them an email, say thanks at the end of the week. And people remember. Yeah. Yeah. So true. So true. Love that. That's a great idea. So how did you get into the project management profession? Was it something that you um, like consciously decided to do or was there a bit of a journey um, that, that took you into project management? I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't. English literature and linguistics degree which led to precisely nothing really <laughs> um, and so I decided that in the UK we have the thing called the milk round and graduate training schemes where you can join a big blue chip company and do different placements in different departments so I applied for some of those and got accepted to American Express and then just did what they told me to do really and went and worked in different departments for three months at a time and one of the placements I got was in a team called business re-engineering and suddenly everything about my whole career clicked because there were people there organizing things, making lists, ticking off work as done. And I thought, you know, this is what I've been doing. This is how I've planned my studies and how I planned my job search. And I didn't even know it was a thing. <laughs> and having people, you know, my, my role in the team for three months was glorified secretary, really. I was helping project managers do their work by doing some of their admin and travel bookings and stuff but it was so interesting to see what they were doing and what they were leading and that's gave me the window to see that actually project management was a job and that I could do it and it played to my natural strengths and the things I enjoyed doing and then after that graduate scheme finished I knew that that's where I wanted to go. That's great so um it, you had to get out and experience it, didn't you, to understand. And I think, that, again, that just comes back to how do you describe what a project manager does? You know, how do you know you want to be a project manager when it's so varied? It's You almost have to, you know, just go and experience it, don't you, and, and decide whether it's for you or not. 
Yes, although I think students today have got more choice because there's more options to do project management at degree level or master's level. Mm. I don't know if that option was available to me. It certainly was never pushed by my college. Um, and I suppose I decided because I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life that I would do something that I enjoyed for three years. And that's how I ended up doing my English degree. Um, but these days I think young people are a bit more savvy about work and they know that it's a challenge to get a position and they want a well-paid well-respected career with prospects and there are degrees that lead them and the other professional certifications like the ones that we've got mm. but there's probably a little bit more awareness now than there was back then mm. well it was probably your English degree that kind of you know evolved into writing and educating mm -hmm. and things that you do now so tell us a little bit about you know the girl's guide to project management how did that come about how did all the books happen how did you get into <laughs> that side of things that was just me being very selfish really I said I wanted to write a book before I was 30 and, and you um, did it I thought yeah <laughs> good on you <laughs> what could I write about so my mum was saying you should write a Jilly Cooper novel write something you know there's gonna be a bestseller but like, yeah mum but I really don't have the skills for that <laughs> they say write what you know and I'd been doing project management for some time by then and I still didn't feel like I was a you know, expert and my first book interviewed a lot of people who were experts or practitioners and to get uh, the breadth of knowledge that was was covered in that and then after I'd written one it opened doors and I just enjoyed it and I figured I might as well just keep going so the blog started about the same time as I was preparing for that book to be to be out um, because I was writing naturally and I thought I've got to see who wants to buy this book so I need to tell some people about it and apparently a blog at the time was the thing to do to help <laughs> spread the word so I decided that I'd write about project management with a little bit of a feminine slant to it because so much at the time was articles in magazines being bylined by men conferences I was attending it was men on the panels men speaking and I worked in a department which was 50 50 so my work life wasn't reflected by the you know the media population of and the presentation of of project professionals so I figured there wasn't really enough stuff about how you have to pack extra shoes in your handbag before you go on the train and things like that that <laughs> men don't have to worry about. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought, you know, there's space, there's space for a female perspective. And I think things are much better now. I mean, I know conference producers make an active effort to get balance of all kinds and diversity and representation of all kinds on speaker panels and things. Um, but I still think that there's more that we could do to mm. you know, ex explain what it's like to be a working woman in project management because it's a lot of what's written is very much from the, the as, as you were saying before, the perfect world of mm. how things would work if it all worked perfectly. And then you throw people into the mix and the fact that I haven't slept all night because I've been up with a four-year-old who's got a cold mm -hmm. and suddenly work life becomes quite, quite difficult. <laughs> it's almost the scout motto of be prepared isn't it you yes know, you almost have yeah. to be prepared for anything <laughs> <laughs> like the extra shoes in the bag I like that <laughs> because you could be running up to the next you know meeting other yeah, end of town have to have your flats <laughs> <laughs> love that very important heels are just for show <laughs> <laughs> oh it's been so awesome talking to you Elizabeth um there's so many things that we can talk about but I really love 
the the really down to earth you know practical tips and advice that you've shared today because you know that's what it's all about it's about you know um you know just sharing what you've learned and and how you know what we've all learned through project management isn't it and how we can make it better for the next generation of project managers um and, and make it an easier ride uh, for them and sharing our knowledge and, and, and passing that on to them, um, you, you know, is awesome. And I love that you're doing that through your blog and that your, your books and that you've come and shared some of your knowledge with us. So thank you so much for that. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a blast. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And we'll catch up soon, no doubt. So thanks so much, Elizabeth, for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Let's Talk Project Management podcast with Melanie Colling. Please take a moment to rate and review this podcast on your preferred podcast app. Each rating and review helps us fulfill our goals of helping project management professionals lift their expertise by tapping into experts and thought leaders' shared wisdom to elevate our people and our community. The Let's Talk Project Management podcast is proud to be part of the Experts On Air podcast network. 